Good morning. All right, man. I'm very excited about this one. This is going to be good. All right, the, 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 we're going to continue our teaching on Why Do We Pray, Part 2. Um, and the, this one is subtitled, Thankfulness Kills Depression and Unlocks Faith. Okay? So a lot of times we get discouraged. A lot of times we have depression. And um, this is real faith killers. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, I have a, bu- a bunch of scripture references. You know, we should get to these, but there's something that's really stirring in my heart we're going to talk about. Um, first of all, depression. Another word is discouragement. Discouragement. I'm going to look up a, I have my handy dandy laptop this morning. I'm going to Google some verses to help us have the right, right references. Discouragement. The scripture says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Uh, it's going to be in Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Okay, so why am I talking about this? This is We're talking about prayer, and the scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. All right, so the very first part of the prayer is um, you're talking about your communion with God. You know, I'm in a relationship with the Father. He is my Father. Okay, that's a good thing. And the second thing is hallowed be your name. Okay? Hallowed. So we're talking about holy. We're, what we're doing at this part of our prayer is we're praising Him. We're worshiping Him. Okay? Well, it's very difficult to worship and praise the Lord when you're going through discouragement. Okay? So how many times we open up our prayer... Oh, God, why did you let this happen? Or, man, if you really love me, you know, we a lot of times when we pray or we cry out to the Lord, um, we do not open up with prayer, with praise. I mean, I do because I've trained myself now. But my point is a lot of people, and I know I have in the past, I've had this, this thing where I'll open up my prayer with discouragement. Man, God, why did you come through? Man, I've been praying for this, da-da-da-da, whatever, you know what I'm saying? The problem with this is this kills your faith. Um, when we're, the, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So what that means is the thing that you've been hoping for, the, the, the thing that you've been believing for, whether you prayed for it or not, you know, if it was just something you really wanted and now it's not happening, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Well, faith resides in the heart. So if the heart gets sick, then it's hard to have faith, all right? Um, so this is important. What happens is people, their, their hope gets deferred. They, they go through discouragement, and then their, fa- their, their prayers um, get foiled because they don't know how to enter into prayer with thanksgiving, okay? And we're going to talk about how important that is. Um, when you look at the word discouragement, you're talking about there's a word in here called courage. This is the will to fight. I like this, to describe courage as... Um, doing the right thing, even if it hurts, that's courage to do the right thing. Courage doesn't mean that you don't have fear. It means that you put your fear aside. Okay. It's to do the right thing, no matter what it costs you. Um, but discouragement means that you've lost the will. Um, there's a, I, I talk about this quite often. There's a movie called enemy at the gates and it's about this Russian sniper. I won't write it on the board. It's about this Russian sniper, and the 
at the beginning of the movie, the Russians were having a hard time winning. They had really, they were really discouraged, and uh, they were going through the ranks, trying to talking to people, and, and all of a sudden they come across this guy, and this guy says, "Hey, man, uh, we need a hero. We need a hero." Okay, and the reason why is because this hero, when they would tell the stories about this hero, it would encourage the troops from from running out of battle. They'll have something to fight for. It's like this story that would uplift them. Okay, so this guy named Vasily, I think his name is, he becomes this sniper. Okay, and he is a, a hot shot man. He's really good. Um, he's a sharpshooter, and every time he kills someone, like a general or whatever or a commander or whatever, uh, some high-ranking official, then they would celebrate in Russia, you know? And so this guy was key to their success because it boosted morale, okay? What that's called is propaganda. They would use stories by uh, about someone to boost morale or to destroy morale. So, for instance, one day the Germans... Uh, blew up a building that this guy was in, and it fell down, and they believed that they had killed this guy. So they started blasting out on their little megaphones, uh, your hero's dead. Okay? Well, if, if the story of the hero had boosted their morale, now the story of killing their hero would actually demoralize them and make them lose their will to fight. It would discourage them. So in other words, here's what we find. Here's what we find. Bad news brings discouragement. Good news um, brings faith. It's what you're focusing on that causes issues here. If you're only focused on the bad news, then you're always going to be discouraged. But if you're always focusing on the good news, then you'll always be filled with joy. And Nehemiah, I believe, Nehemiah says, uh, chapter 8, says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, so you can't overcome anything without having strength, without having joy. You can't have joy without hearing good news. You have to know the good news. So, discouragement, what we find, is that you lose your will to fight because all you can hear is bad news. Well, it turns out that this uh, sniper guy actually didn't die. And the people who really believed, they were like, no, he didn't die. It couldn't be. And they would go around and they would spread rumors he was still alive. You know? No, he can't be dead. He can't be dead. And, and they wouldn't receive it. They wouldn't receive the bad news, the bad report. Okay? Well, eventually they find out that he really is alive. And that boosts the morale. And that, that sniper guy goes in and kills the German sniper guy that had, had said he, you know, killed him or whatever. And anyway, so it was a pretty cool story about propaganda. So I'm using this because... When we're, we're, we're in a war, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but um, against the powers and principalities of this dark world. So, if we ever get discouraged in our fight, then the devil takes us out. That's, that's all this depression is, is the devil trying to take you out from the fight. Okay? And so I'm hoping that this will encourage people that are struggling with depression or discouragement or any kind of low in their mood swings or whatever, you know, because this will, this should help you. Because what you have to do is you have to refocus. So we're going to go um, to Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, 4 through 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Again, rejoice has to do with joy. Well, you can't have joy without good news. Okay? So 
rejoice. Now this is like a commandment, okay? Rejoice. So in here, there's this little thing that has to do with joy. Re means do it again, right? <laughs> Have joy again. Have joy again. Or I would even say resurrect your joy. You know, and you know what's so interesting about this is that people are like, well, um, resurrect my joy. How can I resurrect my joy? You know, and all, the thing about depression is it's this nasty cycle. What you do is you get discouraged and then you can't ever get out of it. You know, because you just keep on going. It's like a spiral down, you know, and that's why they, they get clinically depressed and things like that because people don't know how to get out of it. The truth is they just don't know how to focus on good news anymore. All they can do is focus on bad news. This, you know, oh, this stinks. I can't believe I'm doing this. Or so-and-so did this to me. Or I'm, uh, you know, I've lost everything. Or whatever they're focusing on, you know. They can't focus on the good news. They've forgotten all about the good news. All they can do is, is, is think about the bad news. That's why Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It says, and forget not, forget not all his benefits. This is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. We have to constantly forget not all his benefits. This is a constant reminder. So how do you rejoice? You remind. You refocus your brain. I'm not focused on the bad news anymore. I'm focused on the good news. My, my, it's actually illegal in my house to be grumpy. My children are not allowed to be grumpy. I don't believe in mood swings. I just believe in bad faith. Okay? So, when my children come to me grumpy, I tell them, hey, um, first of all, well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. I'm going to talk about that. I really am, because I think it's important for people to know that grumpiness is illegal in my house. But I'm going to read a few more scripture verses to show why it's illegal in my house. Okay? Um... Let's keep on reading. Okay, the same thing. Uh, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. This is so powerful. Oh my gosh, dude. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So, like, he's trying to remind us, you're going to have to get your joy back. If you don't get your joy back, you're pretty much screwed, okay? You're not going to get what you're asking for. Your heart's not going to be guarded. Oh, look at all this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness basically get out of your foolish state. You know that it's actually foolishness? <laughs> Woo! Jesus is awesome. <laughs> it is foolish not to rejoice. It's sinful to not rejoice. Golly, Jesus is awesome. Wow. To, to not rejoice is to, is to profess unbelief. When we rejoice, we profess our faith. The Bible says we can't please God without faith. If I'm not rejoicing, if I'm not rejoicing in the good news, and I've forgotten about the good news, all I can think about is bad news. That's really bad. That only leads through defeat. That When we can't rejoice, it always leads to defeat in our lives. I'm going to say that again. If we cannot rejoice, man, Jesus is awesome. Thank you, Father. If we cannot rejoice, it always leads to defeat in our lives. Every time. 
This is why it's the opening theme to the, the example prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. To worship the King, we have to open up with worship. If we're not opening up with worship, then we're actually in unbelief. And the rest of our prayer just falls to the ground. The rest of our prayer just falls to the ground. Man, this is, man, this is so good. This is so good. It's foolish not to rejoice. It's wisdom to be thankful. Now, I'm not saying... Um, I'm not saying that you can't have a real conversation with God. Okay? When you're struggling. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you're not going to get anywhere in your life. Okay? You can be real with God, but just know that it doesn't bring anything. All it does is satisfy your flesh a little bit. Okay? If you want to complain to the Lord, well then, um, that's fine. But here's what happens. You get nothing. <laughs> God is all ears. He's always listening. He'll listen to your complaining. But when you're complaining, you get nothing. You know? Uh, now, okay, you get something. You just get a swift kick in the butt. That's what you get. Because see what it is, is pride when we complain to the Lord. And then the Lord humbles us and teaches us. You see what I'm saying? And so, it's better to talk to God about your problems than to not say anything about your problems. However, the same thing, if we just grumble in our heart, then it just, it just, all right, I'm not going to get too far on that. My point is, you can talk to God about anything, but don't expect your prayers to be powerful until you become thankful. Does that make sense? All right? All right, it is foolish to, rejo to, to not rejoice. It is wisdom to be thankful. Okay? Foolishness. All right, so, so check this out. Let your reasonableness be reasonable. Have some, come on. Like, what, he's, what he's saying here is be reasonable, man. Um, be reasonable, man. Like, stop focusing on all that junk. Come on, snap out of it. Don't you know that you're a king's kid? Don't you know that you're a victor? Don't you know that you're more than a conqueror? Don't you know all the good news? Come on. And it's like he's slapping you, you know? Snap out of it. Come on, wake up. Can't you be reasonable with me? The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. All right, so when we're anxious, we're this is, uh, do not be anxious. All right, so anxiousness is worry. All right, so he's talking about how to fight worry in our life, how to fight anxiety in our life. It's through being thankful. Watch this. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. How do you get rid of that anxiety? How do you get rid of um, your lack of rest, your restlessness? With thanksgiving. Okay? Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, this is so cool. So when you're thankful, God gives you peace. When you're anxious, you don't have any peace. When you're thankful, you have peace. This is powerful. This is so powerful. And only in this peace right here, this is where you get rest. This is where your faith is just girded up, man. When you have peace and when you're restful, this is when your faith is just shored up in a sense, you know? And it becomes solid. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Now, this is cool right here. So through Thanksgiving, you get peace and rest and then your heart and your mind will be guarded. You will guard your heart and your mind. Why? 
because this is where your faith comes from. This is and all your bad thoughts come from. So your mind has to be. What happens is here's what here's what here's what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is a refocus. Thanksgiving is to refocus on the good news. Discouragement or depression. It means you have lost sight of the promise. When we when we go through discouragement or depression, it's simply because we've lost sight of the promise. We lose our hope. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. We've lost sight of the promise. But through thanksgiving, we grab a hold of the promise again. It's, it's a choice. It's not something that can be aroused. This is not something, oh, he did something nice for me. Thank you. You know, it's sometimes we have to say thank you in faith. It's actually a discipline of our faith. It takes our faith and it snaps it to and it says get in line. Does that make sense? This is good. Alright, I'm going to read something I wrote down here. Prayer is our communion with God. Worship exalts God and not self. We must always enter into communion with God by submitting ourselves to a holy God. Worship is key for thankfulness. Alright, so when we start worshiping Him and we tell Him how good He is and how awesome He is, now you're talking about building literally your relationship with Him. Any good relationship has to, is built on edification and love and affirmation. You see what I mean? So, if I want to, to really experience the most out of my relationship with God, I've got to start affirming God. It's kind of weird, you know. And God affirms us. So when we humble ourselves to Him in this thankfulness, and we humble ourselves and start worshiping the Lord, then He starts to actually exalt us as well in that relationship. Does that make sense? Um, being thankful is key to having faith. This sets the tone for your prayers. Being thankful is the sign of true faith. If we ever find ourselves grumbling and complaining to God, then we have entered into unbelief. Okay? Um, and and, and <clears throat> so a minute ago, I, I'm not trying to be double-minded on what I'm saying. A minute ago, I said you could talk to God about anything. But I'm going to talk to you about the danger of grumbling and complaining to God. Okay? We're about to go through a bunch of scriptures that, that prove and testify to the fact that God despises complaining. He hates it. Okay? Um... And so we're going to go through the scriptures and, and, and we're just going to let the, instead of our, so we always talk, I mean, you know, I, I'm just going to repent right now in something. So many times we hear preachers all the time. Hey, you can just talk to God however you want to talk to God. And, and I'm not saying that God doesn't have mercy for us. I'm not saying that. Okay. I mean, there's, there's people who, uh, you know, wrestle with God. Uh, it, Isaiah, uh, Israel wrestled with the Lord. You know what I mean? So this is a part of our relationship with God, to wrestle with God, okay? That's part of it, okay? But when we're talking about powerful and effective prayers, thanksgiving is what we really need, you know? Complaining, grumbling, and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, complaining is, is, power, is, is dangerous. And, and uh, somebody in the, in the audience here just put up there, complaining in your home. You know, it, that's important. I'm going to write that right here. Um, complaining, right, I'll wrote, write this here so I won't forget, okay? is illegal in my home, okay? Right, I'll, I'll get back to that, okay? But, um, that's, see, complaining is stuff that always brings division, okay? So if a wife is complaining to her husband all the time, or the husband is complaining to the wife all the time, it creates division, you see? But, do you know what I mean? Now, there's a difference between coming to him with all your needs. That's what prayer is all about. Coming to your needs. 
But there's a difference between coming to God with your needs but being thankful instead of coming to God with your needs and being complaining. For instance, if my son says, Dad, I'm hungry. I want to get something to eat. That she, he's not complaining. He is expecting in faith that I'm going to get him what he needs. You see what I'm saying? But if I'm over there cooking, he's like, Dad, is it almost done yet? Are you going to get... Me? You see? Now he's professing his unbelief. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know? So uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But So being thankful, anxiety is unbelief, and thanksgiving is faith. Grumbling and complaining stops the blessing, okay? If you look in the scripture, you will find that grumbling and complaining always stops the blessing, okay? Um, and it's pride. It's thinking that you know better than God, you know? It's thinking that he's not really sincere about his love toward you. You see what I mean? How God does, does God really love me? Is he really with me? All right, so check this out. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 14 through 18. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So it says, so how do you how do you fight this? You hold fast to the word of life. So you fight the grumbling and complaining and the disputing and getting mixed up in the crooked and twisted generation by holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ. I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Thankfulness is a choice. Okay? Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 7. It says, All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of uh, Sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore... The people quarreled with Moses. They fought with him and said, Give us water to drink. And water said, and, 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 water. and Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? All right, so you know, talking about the Bible, it says, uh, and uh, Jesus talks about, uh, do not test the Lord, right? When he's being tested. A lot of people say, don't test God. You know, don't ask him to do miracles for you. That's just testing the Lord. Well, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about don't test the Lord and the fact that, you know, questioning his integrity, questioning his character, you know. Um, don't test the Lord when he says, don't do this or don't do that. It's talking about complaining and grumbling, about letting your flesh get in the way and cause you to backslide in your faith, okay? Because um, he's actually quoting right this, do not test the Lord. He says, do not, it says, the word, does not say, the word says, do not test the Lord your God. That's what Jesus says when he's being tempted by the devil. And he's referring back to this story right here. Okay, why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So they just got delivered. They just got rescued from, from uh, Egypt and being slaves with Pharaoh, and they're already wanting to go back. Now this is, this is what grumbling and complaining does. Grumbling and murmuring and complaining, all that does is make you want to go back to where you came from. It, it, it'll send you back to bondage. This is why it's so dangerous. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? All right, now, did God answer the people's prayer, or did he answer Moses' prayer? Moses. See, they were grumbling and complaining, and Moses went before God on their behalf as a mediator. So this is why we have Jesus. See, Jesus goes on behalf of us. Because when we grumble, if we grumble and complain, and got what we was coming to us when we grumble and complain, if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd be in big trouble. If you go to Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 through 6, from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea. This is Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Have it written down here? I don't even have it written on here on the board. So I'll just give you a little bit of time. Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9. It says, uh, from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient. All right. If I had a congregation here, I'd say, everybody say, impatient. <laughs> All right. Let me show you something real quick. Impatient means you don't have love. The Bible says, love is patient. So if you're impatient, then you lack love. We're going to talk about here in a minute how we're supposed to hold on to steadfast love, okay, for the Lord. When we become impatient, we begin to lose our love. Does it make sense? Okay. The people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Could you imagine leading 600,000 men and their families in the wilderness, and all of a sudden they're all start grumbling? and That would be a little bit intimidating. <laughs> you know, but you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, you're going to experience this, whatever you start ministering to people, man, and they give their life to Jesus. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose in their life because they start following Jesus. Whenever we start following Jesus, the devil sends everything against us, man. And you'll notice this when you start ministering to people and they start giving their life to Jesus, all hell breaks loose in their life. And some of them will come to you and say, man, this stinks, man. This God thing doesn't work. F that, you know? Next thing you know, it's because it's because they become impatient. They lose their steadfast love towards the Lord, you know? And so I've heard it many times. <clears throat> For there is no, this is right here. And they grumbled against Moses. They'll grumble against you because you're the messenger of God. <laughs> and they'll come against God. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And we loathe this worthless food. All right. What worthless food are they talking about? They're talking about manna. <laughs> Check this out. So God is raining down manna from heaven. He's pouring it down from this guy, man. There was one time they were grumbling so bad. He says, we need some meat. So what's he do? Piles and piles and piles of quail just fall out of the sky or whatever and die. And they're like, oh, this food. And then it was so much meat. They couldn't eat it. And it started rotting. And they had to move because of the smell. <laughs> you know, God was just like being sarcastic on them. <laughs> like, like, oh, you want some meat? <laughs> Bam! <laughs> you said all this. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> 
So anyway, man of man, this worthless food. Oh my gosh, man. You know, this was a real bad sin. They called it worthless food. You don't want to know how bad that is? Jesus says, I'm the bread from heaven. So check this out. What if nothing was happening in your life? What if the only thing you have to hold on to was your salvation? Well, when I was three years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I got born again. And you know what? I've never seen God move since then. What if, what if that's your life? That was my life for a long time. And you know what I started to do? I started to despise this manna. Actually, I said to myself, man, if God's real, then why is he? Man, all I have is my salvation experience. He hasn't done anything for me since then. That's what I used to say. That's a sin, bro. That's awful. That's to trample the cross, man. That's the best thing God ever gave you. This, 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 this uh, life bread, man. So he says, I'm the bread of heaven. And I know I've been there, man, where I just started to despise even my salvation experience. And said, it, oh, that worthless food. That's pretty bad. You know, thank you, Jesus, I'm not there anymore. Thank you, Jesus, I'm, man, got out of that rut. But that's what a lot of people do, man. They, that's, why, that's why the title of this thing is, Why Do We Pray? Because I know there's a lot of people out there like, this pointless to pray. Why am I even praying? You know? Man, we pray, dude, because this changes. You're not going to get anything from God if you don't get this part right here. If we don't get this part right here, thankfulness kills depression and discouragement and unlocks our faith. If we don't figure out how to be thankful for the manna, how to be thankful for the thing that we, the last thing God provided for us, just never forget, man. We forget so easily. Never forget. It's awful. The reason why God says so many times, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, or do this, he will tell the people of Israel, hey, whenever you, um, uh, you're going to do these sacrifices and you're going to kill these lambs and when you're, you're going to kill the donkeys or whatever he told them to do according to the Levitical law. And he says that when you do this, um, for the Passover, for instance, when you put the blood of the lamb over your door and your son will ask you, why do we do this? And so that you can teach them what, G what God did for you in the wilderness, what God did for you in Egypt. And so they would do the Passover year after year. That was what they were supposed to do. And they actually stopped doing that, which is why they forgot, which is why they went back into bondage, because they forgot, because they stopped worshiping. Man, Jesus, this is awesome. God told the people of Israel, get out, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt to, so you can worship me. So you can worship me freely. So he brings them out of Egypt, takes them into the wilderness. Man, they're already worshiping him freely in the wilderness. There's so much stuff about the Levitical law that's so powerful that reflects Jesus Christ, man. So much cool stuff. It's awesome. It's awesome. But we have to not forget. And that's what he did. They would, they would give, the traditions, they weren't for tradition's sake. They were so they wouldn't forget. They were so they wouldn't forget. Uh, every tradition, every law that was written was so they wouldn't forget. So they could remain thankful. So that their faith would remain. It's good stuff. Alright. So where was that? For therefore there's no food, right? This worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. So that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. 
Jesus says, <clears throat> um, as the as the serpent was lifted up in the in the wilderness, let's see here, John chapter three verse fourteen. Jesus says, as the as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. All right, so check this out. What were they complaining about? Worthless food. What got him out? Worthless food. What did he do? So, so he said, the, check this out. They, they said, all we have is this worthless food. We loathe this worthless food. <laughs> now, loathe is a, like a strong word for strong, absolute hate. Like they despised it with a passion. They loathed it. Loathe. I mean, you can't even say the word loathe without having some British accent. Like, loathe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it has to have real um, oomph to it. They hated it, man. They hated it with a passion. They totally despised it. The worthless food. And Jesus says, I am that worthless food. <laughs> well, you didn't say he's a worthless food. My point is, he says, I'm the manna. I'm the... Where does he say that? Jesus says... It says in John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. All right? So, prophetically, they didn't even know what they were saying, but they said that they loathed Jesus, man. They loathed their provision. They loathed their life source. They lo you see what I'm saying? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14. So, they loathed. This thing from God, this provision from God, and what's, this is so powerful, man. They loathed it, but whenever they loathed it, they complained and grumbled against God. Then the fiery serpent, the curse, check this out. They were cursed with the curse, man. They had this curse come against them. This curse came down and started biting and killing them. So when they started repenting, we have sinned against you and against God. Please pray to God that he'll take this away from us. So what does he do? He takes the curse, which is the snake. It's so cool. Mm. He takes the curse, which was the snake, and he put it up on a pole. And he said, hey, everyone who looks on this will be saved. Check this out. Scripture says, Jesus says in Galatians chapter 3.13. Jesus didn't say it. Paul says it. Galatians 3.13. It says that he became a curse. Jesus became the curse. This is so powerful. Those serpents were set upon them because of their grumbling and their complaining. And whenever they repented in their brain, and they said, we shouldn't have done that. We've, let's refocus. We know that. Look at this. It wasn't until, this is how it happens every time, man. This is how it happens every time. People grumble and complain, and then when something really bad happens, then they all turn back to God again. <laughs> We need to stop going to God in our prayers only when we need Him. We need to be going to God in prayer every single day with thanksgiving. Okay? But check this out. It was because of this grumbling and complaining that the, the, the curse was sent against them. And then God responded to their repentance and their humbleness. Humility is key to everything, man. we got to be humble before the Lord. So they were humbled. They repented. Then the Lord said, take that curse and stick it on a pole. And anyone who looks at that curse that was put on a pole... Just like Jesus was put on a, on a cross, it says, Cursed is any man who was killed on a tree. Jesus was cursed when he died on the cross. He became the curse for us. Okay? And then if we would look to him, we would be saved. So the very thing that they despised, once again, became their salvation. We, I'm telling you what, discouragement will get you to hate the cross. 
It will get you to hate God. This is why the devil uses it so much. This is why the devil tries to discourage you so much. Because he wants you to begin to loathe what God has done for you. This is really powerful. <clears throat> and when we begin to do that, that's when, when, when we remove. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't, you know, in Isaiah 54, it says that he doesn't send these things against us anymore. So we're reading in the Old Testament. Obviously, it's very clear that God sent these things. But in, in Isaiah 54, it says there will be a day when we are establishing our covenant with peace with God. And if anything comes against you, it's not from him. So we know that now in the new covenant, if something fiercely assails me, it's not from God. Okay? But here's the truth. I can remove myself from the grace of God. I like to describe it like if you have the eve of the house sticking out, you know, or on the front porch. <clears throat> and you decide to step outside of that protection, then it starts to rain on you. Okay? So the grace of God removes you, okay? And it, and it always begins with thanksgiving. Okay? Make sense? So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said, uh, make a fiery serpent. All right, so we're rid of that. Complaining, I'm going to read what I wrote here. Complaining only brings more pain. It is the profession of unbelief and is greatly displeases God. Grumbling and complaining always tempts you to go back to Egypt. The place of bondage, Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 through 14. Start halfway through the verse of 10. It says, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, because the, the, the Egyptians had come, they were on the mountains, they're looking down, they're about to be destroyed. They said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us up out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would be, have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And the Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So once again, the great man of faith, Moses, went on behalf of the people of Israel, even when they were grumbling and complaining. Okay, why? They were children. They were just beginning, you know? Um, Proverbs 3. All right, so Thanksgiving releases the blessing. Thanksgiving is to refocus on the problem. So we're going to be done talking about complaining. Oh, oh, grumpiness is illegal. So why is it illegal? Because of that. All the scriptures are right to you. God despises grumpiness. So when my, my son's being grumpy, he comes out of his bedroom. Hey, son, why are you being grumpy? <laughs> Whatever he wants to do, right? And I'll say, hey, what are you thankful for? And so I'll start to remind him of all the things he's thankful for. Okay? And have him profess to me what he's thankful for. You know, and then you'll start slowly seeing his face light up because he's thankful for these things, you know, and I, and I would even say, what if you didn't have that? What are you thankful for? And it would get down to even bigger things that he's really thankful for, you know, all the way down to there's nothing left, just God and Jesus. And my son will say, Jesus, you know, because he loves me, you know, and so you can't remove that. You can lose everything, but you can't lose that worthless food, you know, <laughs> Jesus is not worthless. I'm just making a joke, but. All right, so now we're going to talk about thankfulness. We've, we're done talking about grumpiness. Talk about thankfulness. Um, Thanksgiving releases the blessing. <clears throat> and uh, Proverbs 3, 1 through 10 says, My son, do not forget my teaching. Yeah, do not forget, right? <laughs> do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you steadfast love and faithfulness i believe this is really talking about towards the god 
Steadfast love, never-ending love, unshakable love towards God, no matter what comes your way. Don't ever stop loving God. He's saying, don't forget this teaching I'm about to teach you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Again, we're dealing with heart issues here. Your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. This is important. If you will keep the steadfast love and faithfulness, then you will have find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Watch this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This is so powerful. This is the truly relying God, no matter what's coming your way. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. All right, what does that have to do with? Complaining, losing faith. If you start losing faith, you become wise in your own eyes. Let me say that again. If you lose faith, if you start to get discouraged, if you start to grumble and complain, you become wise in your own eyes. That's called pride. Wise in your own eyes equals pride. Well, God resists the proud and you get grace to the humble. So we're talking about keys to receiving God's grace and favor in your life. Faithfulness and steadfast love. And right here it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Like we're talking about worship again. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will keep your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Watch this. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This whole teaching he just said, what I just told you, do not forget my teaching, all this stuff that I just said about steadfast love and faithfulness, trusting the Lord in all your ways, um, <clears throat> guarding your heart, basically put this stuff around your heart. Don't let, it, don't let other stuff get in. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You'll keep your path straight. Don't be wise in your, eye, in your own eyes. Don't be prideful. This will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the word of God concerning your life, being thankful and staying focused on the good things. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of your produce. And your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. All right, so now we're talking about tithing. Okay? Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Tithing is an expression of faith. And Thanksgiving. Well, I'm already losing stuff. You want me to give more? Yes, that's Thanksgiving. I already don't have nothing. You still want me to give? Yes, that's Thanksgiving. That is acknowledging the Lord in all your ways, and He will keep your path straight. This is powerful stuff right here. The giving this expression of faith, no matter what the times look like, no matter how difficult it gets. Trust me, I had to do this. Giving this tithe, and this is an expression of faith. It's, it, you know, we learn about this in church all the time. You know, that when you tithe, you basically say, this, this isn't going to control me. God is my Lord, and I'm sacrificing this for Him because I love Him. That's, that, tithing actually practices steadfast love. Tithing expresses faithfulness. Tithing expresses thankfulness. Tithing expresses faith. It's good stuff. Cool. <clears throat> So that's one way to be thankful. And, all right, cool. Uh, let me read what I wrote here. To be thankful is to refocus on God's word or promise. To refocus. When we choose to focus on his word, so that's what it says in this, in this, in what I just wrote, Proverbs 3. It says, uh, oh no, not, not Proverbs. Forget not my teaching. Yeah, forget not my teaching. Um, we choose to focus on his word 
uh, and we choose to have steadfast love and faithfulness to God, then we are promised that it will go well with us. Then we are told to trust in the Lord. Keep these things in mind, and it brings healing. Honoring God with our wealth is another sign of thanksgiving. So I already said all that. So <clears throat> also choosing to be thankful gets rid of our anxiety. It gets when you really give that tithe, man, it, it tells anxiety, get behind me. I'm not gonna stress. I'm gonna give it to God. It's powerful stuff. I'll say this again, man. I can say it again and again and again. Thanksgiving is a refocus of our faith. Thanksgiving is a refocus of our faith. Romans 4, 18 through 25, it says, And he hoped, who is he? Abraham. He hoped, uh, in hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had said, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. <clears throat> he did not, watch this, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Watch this. No unbelief made him waver. So I'm going to talk about this verse 20. Romans chapter 4 verse 20. It says, He let no unbelief cause him to waver. Now this is important. See, he's the father of our faith, Abraham. But it says right here that he had unbelief. He had unbelief, but it says he chose not to let unbelief cause him to waver. This is so cool. He had unbelief. This is very important. Listen, to say I have perfect faith is just not good. Like we need to humble ourselves and we need to realize that we can have unbelief even if we have great faith. This is so powerful. Abraham, the father of our faith, struggled with unbelief. But it says right here, he did not allow unbelief to cause him to waver. This is so cool. It's so awesome. He did not allow unbelief to cause him to waver. Don't you think that being 100 years old, he might have got discouraged? When God said, I'm going to give you this promise? He'd been holding on to this promise for 100 years, or however long God had promised him. I think he was, I don't remember how old he was when he got the promise. I think he was 75 years old when he got the promise. <clears throat> so 25 years later, 30 years later, he's still holding on to the promise he received 30 years prior. You know? Dude, this is crazy. Or 25 years prior. I can't remember for sure. All right, unbelief. He says he did not allow unbelief. Watch this. This is so cool, dude. He did not weaken in faith. So verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith. Did you know that you can grow strong in faith? That's so cool because so many people think that you just get some faith and that's all you get and that's done. But you can grow strong in faith and it doesn't have to come from God. It says right here, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Watch this. He grew. This is so key, man. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He worshipped God and he thanked God and he believed God and he stood on the promise and he refocused his faith. This is so cool. He grew strong in his faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, right? Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> I think 17. Romans chapter 10 says... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And so, and then in Romans chapter 12, I believe, it's either in Romans chapter 12 or in, 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 in one of the Corinthians letters, it says that God gives us gifts of faith. So, you can get faith by hearing, you can get faith by a gift, but right here it says you can grow strong in faith. So, this is so cool. So, everybody's been given a measure of faith, okay? 
God, God has given you grace and has given you a measure of faith. Everyone has a measure of faith. It's your duty to grow strong in your faith. This is so powerful. God gives us a faith. He gives us this little faith. He gives us a gift. But it's your responsibility to grow in faith. How do you do it? You, hear, you keep on hearing the word of God and you give glory to God. You want to build your faith? You give glory to God. You worship Him. You praise Him. You lift Him up. You keep on thanking Him no matter what. <clears throat> it's powerful. That's how you grow strong in faith. He grew strong in his faith. This, that, this is a life-freeing life, uh, verse right here. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Watch this. Fully convinced or persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. Not just able to do it, but he was going to do it. You know? Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, If you believe and believe that you have received it, and it will be given to you. That's faith. Fully convinced. Fully convinced. Verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Because he didn't give up. He did not give up. <clears throat> but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Okay. So, I'm going to stop right there. We're going to pick up again next time on thanks on Thanksgiving some more and about how actual worship literally breaks the walls that prevent us from the promise. And so, that's, that's good. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that um, this message will set people free as they learn how to become thankful. They can grow strong in their faith as they refocus on what God has for them. They can refocus on your promises and refocus on your hope. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.